Hello everyone, this is Bola from Clever Girl Finance and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So today I'm excited to share my special guest with you that you may already know. Her name is Patrice Washington and Patrice is an amazing woman. She is a best-selling author, a captivating speaker and a hope-restoring coach to women who want to do good work in the world but believe they deserve to earn damn good money while doing it. She's been the personal finance expert of both Steve Harvey's radio and television shows since 2014 and has appeared in dozens of media outlets such as the Dr. Oz show and on Fox and Friends. And she's also been featured in hundreds of online and print publications, including the New York Post, Cosmopolitan Magazine, Essence Magazine, and so many other amazing, well-known publications. And her work has literally touched millions of people around the world. So Patrice is a big deal. And as you'll find out, she is also the real deal. So on this episode, Patrice shares her personal story about losing everything that her and her family had in the 2008 recession and what it really took for her to come out of that situation. She talks about her faith and her mindset and the reason for her success now and what it really means to chase purpose and not money and how that has made all the difference in her life and it can make all the difference in your own life too if you just focus on chasing purpose and she talks about how to do that. Um, She also shares what she's teaching her daughter about faith, purpose, and financial success and this was just a great conversation. I love Patrice's transparency and her honesty and her openness and her spirit and so you guys are going to enjoy listening to this episode but before we dive in if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast please subscribe do it right now just head over to iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher and subscribe and you can also listen to episodes and watch videos on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel and subscribe there as well and if you are loving the podcast please head over to iTunes and rate and review this podcast so that more women like you can find the podcast and finally be sure to stop by clevergirlfinance.com and subscribe there as well so you can get access to my resource library my facebook community and a ton of other great stuff and i'm also updating the content on the clever girl finance website every single week so there's always going to be brand new content there to help you guys as you work on improving your finances so now let's talk to patrice hey patrice welcome to the podcast Hey, Bola. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Me too. I can't tell you how excited I am to talk to you. I'm a (laughs) huge fan from a distance. (laughs) And I'm glad to get you on the podcast. I'm glad to be here. No, really, because I've been kind (laughs) of, you know, cyber stalking you a bit for some time as well. So it's always good to, you know, be able to finally connect with people that you've admired, you know, I know. Same here. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself to everyone. Tell them who you are and what you do. So my name is Patrice Washington, and I've been known as America's Money Maven for almost a decade. Um, But to be honest with you, what I do, what my mission is, is really to help people live their purpose. And I found at one point, Bola, that when I was counseling people down in Atlanta for several years um, in the area of financial counseling, I just felt like the number one reason that people were mismanaging their finances had less to do with education and more to do with their lack of fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And so now as an author, as a speaker, as a fellow podcaster, as, you know, a coach and just a champion in this space, my real life's work, I feel like at this point is to help people live their life's purpose and to find fulfillment and to earn money without having to chase after it. 
you know, by shifting who they are in their lives, they can attract so much more than when you're chasing after it. And, you know, that's really who I am. I feel like that's my calling. And, and, you know, my purpose in this season is just to bring awareness to that message. Um, so I'm not really the personal finance expert, although I'm known as such, mm-hmm. um, that <laughs> it's funny. I'm not the personal finance expert that focuses on finances. And I know that sounds so crazy, but I'm the person that through my story, I just want to restore hope um, to people who have had challenges with finances and they are just tired of beating themselves up about all the things they're not doing right Mm -hmm. Um, and encourage them to look at the other areas of their life where they can hopefully find some fulfillment and get to the true definition of wealth, which the original definition was well-being. And so I want to be a champion for that. That's kind of like my my little lane, I think, in this space of all of us who are personal finance educators. And I love that. So your tagline is chase purpose, not money. And now that you've explained that, it makes total sense because, you know, in my opinion, I feel like the financial education aspect of things is really like 20 percent of the whole equation. Right. Because that's stuff that Uh you can learn. You can learn the money management skills. But the biggest battle is the battle with self. Yeah. And the issues that plague you and your mindset and what you want and what you're happy about. And that's really, really incredible that that is your focus, because it's so important. You know, the the 20 percent matters. But the the other side of things, the bigger 80 percent, the struggle with self, that's the that's the the path that, you know, you have to travel to get to your success. Well, you know what, Bola, you know, becoming America's money maven was not you know, for me, it was not about a textbook thing. It was definitely mm-hmm. about my own testimony. And so what people may not know, what your listeners may not know, is that before becoming America's Money Maven, I had lost everything in the recession. And so I started a, a real estate and mortgage brokerage during my senior year in college. And I know you've had my girl, Nasima Muckleroy, financially intentional yes, um, on the show. <laughs> Nasima, Nasima can vouch for this because I was very grown in college. <laughs> And I got into real estate when I was about 19 years old and became a broker at 21 during my senior year in college. So I started this business, which became very successful um, and had a seven figure business with my now husband, then best friend and boyfriend and I, um, you know, grew this business from nothing from the dining room of a condo that I bought right after graduation. And um in the recession, we went from that seven-figure business to scraping up change, literally losing everything, foreclosing on homes, having matching Range Rovers, voluntarily repossessed. They didn't have to come look for Ebola. I <laughs> voluntarily brought it back to them. <laughs> I brought it over. I gave them a call and said, okay, well, what do you want us to do? Because, uh, yeah, I can't even put gas in this thing at this moment. So. You know, we had just gone through a lot. I had hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical debt from having my daughter who was Mm -hmm. born prematurely. And I spent 10 weeks on hospital bed rest. Um, Mm -hmm. And then she spent several weeks in the NICU. So it was just all at one time, my world was crumbling in the recession. And everything that I knew about finances, you know, it just about finance, it just seemed to like... um, almost be a lie, you know, because Mm -hmm. there was a time when I was like, I did all the right things. I saved money. I paid my taxes on time. I didn't have a whole bunch of like, you know, credit card debt or any of those things. I owned a lot of real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
but I was I was totally over my head, you know, um, and had this this beautiful office with 16 employees and all this stuff going on. And I was young and I lost it all over a course of period, you know, less than a year and a half or so. Pretty much everything that I knew was different. And so when I found myself Bola on the bathroom floor after foreclosing on a 6000 square foot home in Southern California and ending up in a 600 square foot apartment. Uh, we called it a box in Metairie, Louisiana, because you could see everything. You could just turn and get to everything. You could, girl, shower and cook all at the same time, okay? Like, I found myself on the bathroom floor one day when my husband took my daughter for a walk, um, bawling and crying, bowling, saying, God, why me? Like, mm -hmm. I tried to do things the right way. I was a good person. I was the mortgage broker that wasn't taking advantage of people, that was making sure that people weren't over their head. I was the mortgage broker who was out in the community and the churches and mm -hmm. the nonprofits teaching personal finance classes to people. Now, mm -hmm. how the heck did I get in this position where I'm going to get food stamps? Like, how did I get here where I'm scraping up change and shaking my purses out looking for loose money? Like that's like what in the world? I have a degree in business from one of the best universities on the West Coast. Like what in the world? And I felt this tug to get my Bible and I, I landed on Proverbs 17, 16. What good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire mm. to seek wisdom? Mm -hmm. If they have no desire to seek wisdom. And after feeling like God slapped me in the face and called me a fool, I had this like, you know, I started to research the difference between knowledge and wisdom and knowledge being just having information, but wisdom being knowing how to apply mm -hmm. that information, knowing where to apply it with whom. And so I had to, and this didn't happen overnight, it took time, but I had to learn to give myself permission to get back up, right? And seek wisdom and really surrender and ask God, like, what do I need to do? Like, what are these areas? And so when people have asked me over the last several years, you know, well, how did you do it? It's really tempting because of the space that we're in to make it all about staying out of debt and mm -hmm. make it about, you know, credit cards and you know, taxes and this and that. But what really I believe helped me get to this point is what I teach with Redefining Wealth is why I say chase purpose, not money, because like you said, it's 20 percent. You can't look at your budget all day, every day. You know, you can't pull your credit three, four times a day. Like you, like that is a piece of it, but all of those things are the byproduct of who you are. And yeah. so God started to show me different areas and I didn't see it all at once, but I started to feel this thing like, you know, you need to deal with some of the trauma that you've been through. You can't go through such, you know, traumatic things and then sweep them under the rug and keep it pushing, you know? that is going to impact who you are and how you deal with your money later on. It just is like, you can't be praying for all these things and then not take care of the body that you need to make it happen. Yeah. You, you, you know, you can't neglect all your relationships and make it all about money and all about the hustle and all about the grind and not take care of the people who God is put in your circle. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. put around you. Like yeah. there were so many other areas. And I, as I began to focus on those other areas, Girl, the last several years, in particular, I would say since about 2013, God has just been blowing my mind left and right with my career and the number of things that 
if I'm being honest, have just been attracted. There's so many things that I don't ask for, Bola, mm-hmm. but because of who I have, like what I've worked on in my personal life and how I try to show up every day in this world, whether I'm just sitting at my desk working at home or I'm out on a stage or on TV or whatever, like things continue opportunities continue to come my way which produce wealth but it's not because i'm chasing money because you're chasing purpose it's it's chasing purpose (laughs) it really is so patrice you know one of the first encounters i had with you was on periscope um you did not Mm. know me then i had not started clever girl finance and i remember you had you were doing a periscope and you know i don't Whoever used to use Periscope, you could go on there and search who your friends were watching and follow. And I saw that you had gone live, whatever the notification was, and I went and I watched. And I was like, who is this girl? And I stayed and watched the entire um, live show you did. You, you brought your husband on and you were talking about basically going through everything that happened with the 20, 2008 crisis, uh-huh. losing your cars and just being in the pits and how you recovered. And the one thing I appreciated about you, the one thing that, you know, made me follow you outside of Periscope and just, you know, become a fan of your brand was the fact that you were so transparent and you were so mm. honest. And the fact that you were you were willing to share, you know, that backside of your story um, with everyone and the reason why I bring that up is because you know a lot of people may look at you and be like oh my god this woman is so successful she's on the Steve Harvey show she has her own you know a radio show her own podcast she's a best-selling author and all these things and they don't understand the backstory you know mm-hmm. behind what has led you to being so successful and I think that's really really important to to recognize because you had to go through that pers- that process to work on yourself to start yeah. living this life of purpose and now it has attracted um all these incredible things to you when you're not just specifically chasing dollars and cents yeah and i think that we all have a responsibility bola to to tell the truth mm-hmm. yes you know what i mean like to share our truth to tell our testimony um because if not the rest of us will think we're crazy. Like if you see people like, you know, if you see people that are just going from glory to glory, you know, they, they have no problems and you have this filtered sense of whatever it is they put on social media or they put on their website or whatever, you will be like, well, what is wrong with me? Like, what am I doing wrong that all of this keeps happening to me? And I even have my original, when I got off that bathroom floor, Bola, I have, I started a, a free blogspot.com. I didn't even really know what blogging was in 2009, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, I ran across something and I was like, well, if they just talking about something, I can talk about what I want to talk about. <laughs> and that was it. There was no rhyme or reason. But I got off that bathroom floor and in less than 24 hours, I think I had this blog. Um, and I still leave it up to this day, seekwisdomfindwealth.blogspot.com. And the reason that I leave it up is because, one, I probably can't find the password at this point, so (laughs) that is what it is. But two, the reason I haven't even made an effort to find it is because I want people to know that we all have to start somewhere. I don't want you to go to patricewashington.com and then be like, oh my gosh, this girl has... No, everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a everyone has a story Absolutely. and our stories are not in vain. Like your per your purpose is so connected to the experiences that you've had. And I was watching Oprah the other day on the Van Jones show. 
she did this interview on CNN and she was it. talking. Oh my gosh. You got to go back. And I got to go find it. it. Yeah. You have to go back and find it. But one of the things that she says towards the end is that something to the effect of that we have these dreams and we kind of like are trying to make sure we can check things off the bucket list, but we already come here with a destiny that's kind of carved out for us. Hmm. And if, if we would just lean in to those experiences and be present and essentially just, tr- and just trust that, what, like what I always say, this is happening for you, not to you. Mm-hmm. And if we lean into it, it can help us take the next best step, mm-hmm. right? And so many of us are trying to force an outcome that we are totally going against the flow of what's possible. And I'm not saying that, you know, you deserve bad things or look forward to bad things or get excited about it. No, because bad things happen to good people. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned is to surrender and accept that this came to teach me a lesson or be a blessing in some way or another. And so it's my job to to probe and figure out what that is and just move with it. And I used to I used to be ashamed of my story, Bola. Like I, you know, it wasn't easy being the one who made it in my family or in my circle of friends. Um, and then having to tell people that I lost it all or explain why the heck I was in Metairie, Louisiana. Like, what, like why would you leave LA? No, no offense to those who live in Metairie, but you know, it's a different world than, than Los Angeles. And so I was ashamed, I felt guilty, I was embarrassed. And even though I was beginning this journey of becoming America's Money Maven in 2009, um, it wasn't until 2012 ish, 2013, where I finally just came out and said, "Look, this this is what it is. This is my story." And you might choose to go, "Well, why would I listen to her?" But I know that I have the right mindset, and I'm going back. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm going back and beyond. So you can listen or not listen. You can come with me or or not. But my only job is to share the information. It's not to like force your hand or force you to believe me. And there were people who laughed. There were people who said, who will listen to you? There were people who, you know, I pitched myself, (laughs) you know, of course, to be on different things. I remember my husband in like 2012 pitched me to be on this radio segment in Detroit in the program. And so we taped a couple episodes of like what it would sound like a few segments. It's like a five minute thing. And um, the guy told my husband that my voice was hideous. I'm like, well, God dog, I don't know if I had a cold or what. I'm like, hideous, that's extreme, right? Do you know that very same station has been listening to my segment on the Steve Harvey Morning Show for the last four years? Wow. That same station where I wanted a local thing, God turned it around and it was national and they had nothing, they couldn't do anything about it. If you got the Steve Harvey show, you got my hideous voice coming on every week, right? But I share all that to say that when I started to lean into this is what it is, there's nothing I could go back and do. There's no history I can erase. We can regret things all day long. Mm -hmm. But I learned to acknowledge what I could have done differently, um, but forgive myself, too. You know, I gave myself permission to get past it. And the definition I have of forgiveness is giving up the possibility of a better past. Mm-hmm. Because when we run ourselves in circles trying to, oh, man, I messed up. I should have did this. I could have did that. I da, 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 And on and on. Now we take the power away of being able to just move forward. Yeah. And I just committed that, you know, thank you for talking about the transparency. I've made it my business to just 
just say what it is because it is what it is. I did the best I could with the information I had and the, the knowledge I had at the time. So that is what it is. I can't go back and undo that. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've been featured on Fox News or New York Post and people will tell the story and, you know, people will be like, oh, you know, she was an idiot. She was this. She was that. You know what? I could have closed my door sooner. I could have put my tenants out. There's a lot of things I could have did. But I'm really proud of the fact that I took care of my my employees as long as I could. Mm-hmm. And they depended on me. You know what I mean? They depended on us. They had families and kids in college. And most of the people that worked for me were older than me. And they were looking to me, you know, <laughs> to pay their bills. And I could have done things differently, but I don't regret the fact that all of those people still follow me. They still are connected to me on Facebook. They still send me encouraging messages. They still tell me that I'm the best boss they ever had. They still invite me to baby showers and weddings. And when I look at who I am as a person to the people that I was trying to, you know, take care of in that season, I don't regret a damn thing. It is what it is. And you can say what you want about it. People are going to have so much to say, you know, and to be honest, that's just none of your business. <laughs> right. It is what day, it is. Like you said, it's taking those lessons and it's forgiving yourself and it's moving forward towards what it is that you you need to do next for yourself, yeah. for your life. And so, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that people can make is listening to other people and let those letting those people's words define you because it can take Mm. you so far off path and it can take you so much trouble to get back on the right track that it's not Mm -hmm. worth it so if you're listening to this you know you can't care what people think you have to focus on your greater purpose and what it is you're trying to accomplish you know what bola and you also can't get caught up in their praise that's true. Their, that is very true. Their affirmation, right? It's That's like true. on both sides. You can't get caught up on the hate, but you also don't drink your own Kool-Aid. Like, don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> yes. don't, like, don't get caught up in like, oh, I'm popping. I'm the one doing this and doing that. Because, you know, once the motive or the heart for what you do shifts and it's about money and it's about being seen and it's about all this other stuff, you also run the risk of you know, playing yourself. <laughs> that is true. That's true. So I wanted to ask you, Patrice, so you kind of got to that space where you had to hit reset and kind of like start over and you identified what you needed to work on and focusing on chasing your purpose. What would you say is one of the first things that you remember about stepping out of that, I guess, dark space or mm-hmm. that period of your life? What is one of the things, the first thing that you remember happening to you where you said, oh my goodness, now that I'm focused on this purpose on, you know, not chasing the dollar, dollar and cents, this is, this is happening. This is, you know, I know that this approach is working for me. Um, I would say what happened for me was learning how to acknowledge like the God winks. I call them God winks, like like the small wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to learn how to be excited about those because I was a, a high achiever, if not an overachiever, um, because I found a lot of significance. Just keeping it real, you know, I had daddy issues. 
And so I found a lot of significance in being able to say, look how much money I made. Look at what I just bought. Look at, you know, I passed the broker's test on the first try. I did this. I did that. Not so mm-hmm. much openly, but definitely with my dad, you know, and feeling like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. And when I lost everything, I honestly had to examine the fact that I didn't even, I didn't have anything to talk to my dad about. <laughs> like once I didn't have all this stuff and I wasn't really doing what he would be, I thought proud of, you know, it was like, dang, well, I should still be proud because like, I'm still your daughter. Like I, I am who I am. And I had to start to look outside of like other people's approval and look at what are the small wins that I could celebrate. And I remember the first thing is I was starting to blog on that free blogspot.com. I was taking like a proverb that talked about money or business and making it like life applicable. And I was just doing it really for myself, you know, to feel like, okay, this is something that is comforting to you and hopefully it'll be comforting to other people. And I would share with a few friends and my mom and really hope that they were like reading. But then I would, you know, acknowledge something like, yeah, you know, so on the blog, I said this and crickets. So I'm like, these people ain't even reading my stuff. <laughs> they supposed to be the cheerleaders. And when my mom stopped reading, I was like, okay, you know what? So I had, I was doing it consistently every week for a couple months. And then I just kind of fell off. You know, I was like, what am I doing? Nobody's reading. My family isn't reading. You could look at this in quiet time. You don't have to log in and type and be (laughs) thoughtful and all this. You could just do your morning quiet time, right? And I had disappeared from the blog for a couple weeks. And some random man sent me a message. Mm. Mind you, I'm still in the little tiny apartment in Louisiana. And um, a random man sent me an email and said, hey, I hope you're okay. I've been enjoying your blog and, you know, haven't seen you in a while. Like, hope everything is okay and can't wait to read your next post. Girl, and I got this email and I was like, who is this man? How did he find me? What is he talking about? You know, because I really didn't know. Again, we weren't as dependent. I wasn't as dependent on the internet like this. I had a brick and mortar business and I was very much a word of mouth business. So I really was not used to like that like strange people sending you messages. Now it's like every day, you know, but <laughs> it, it threw but back me then on blogger, you'd have been like, that was a little, that was different. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what, wait a minute, what is going on? Right. So I didn't even know how to look at analytics or the back end or any of that stuff. I had no idea that even though my immediate friends were not reading that other people have were following the blog, other people were reading and That was when I made up in my mind that no matter what, I wouldn't stop. Like no matter what, I wouldn't stop. No matter how I felt or if someone that I knew was, I wouldn't stop because there's always someone out there who needed that encouragement or that word or that nugget of information that I wouldn't, I would not stop. And since then I continue, that was the first time where I was like, you made a difference and you didn't even know it. You're making an impact and you don't even know it and that's what matters. And so it's not always in the, you know, the brand partnership for $50,000. Sometimes it's in the DM from someone who says, I was hurting Mm. and I was in a dark place and I discovered your podcast and you have totally changed how I feel about myself, how I feel about money, like all this stuff. Like it's still for me that, you know, Mm -hmm. but that was the, he was, I still, I wish I could go back and find this man's name and find him and thank him. 
Um, I mentioned him from time to time in different interviews, but that was the first time, Bola, that I just felt like you got to keep going. Somebody needs this. Somebody needs needs it the way you give it. It doesn't matter about Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey and, and God bless Bola, but that don't matter either. Right. Because mm, there's yeah. people who only want who who connect with you and there's people who connect with me on different levels. Yeah. And so, you know, I had to just accept that as a wink that I was going in the right direction. And now, even when I feel some kind of way, I still pray, God, just give me a wink. Just give me a wink. And that's not always in the form of money. That's um, it is a lot, honestly, but it's not always in the form <laughs> of money. Um, <laughs> it's not always in the form of money. A lot of times it just comes from people saying, you said this and it, and it shifted something for me. And I'm like, okay, God, that's the, when it, it started with people because it started with that man. And to this day, almost 10 years later, it's still that for me. I love that. If somebody says, yeah, if somebody says you said something that, that did something for me, then that's my wink. Keep going. Yeah. I, I love the God winks. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. amazing <laughs> so let's shift gears a little bit and um you know now you have a huge responsibility because you're a mom and you have yeah. a beautiful daughter and i want to know what are you teaching her about money about self-worth about purpose and the reason why i ask you this is because you are you are clear on your path right you've gone through all these different things in your life and you've recognized mm -hmm. who you are and what you're doing and what matters to you but there might be someone listening who's kind of like trying to figure it out but they also have this this big responsibility of motherhood and you know even me i'm a mom you know i have two small mm -hmm. children and you know i always want to know what it is that other people are teaching their children about the things that matter yeah so I learned really early, uh, my daughter's 10 now, mm -hmm. and I learned really early, Bola, that she was learning just from listening and observing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in a lot, I, at least for me, I grew up in a place, in a household where people um, avoided talking about money openly or you know, I never really, unless my mom was complaining about something that happened at work, I really didn't pick up like career tips. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, like I really didn't understand how to manage that type of stuff until I start working at my mom's job. And um, that's a whole nother story. That was my first job uh, as a kid. But, you know, I really didn't pick up anything because people were not having deliberate conversations. And so my husband and I have made it a point to have deliberate conversations in front of my daughter. It's not always that we're talking to her, but we don't um, shy away from exposing her to the conversation. And I knew that, that I was onto something. When she was about seven years old, we went to meet with the estate planner and she came with me and she was just sitting in the room. And, um, you know, we were signing all this stuff and, you know, getting this this binder with our uh, our trust documents and our will and all this. And she leaned over seven years old. She said, so if you have another baby, what happens to my part? Is it like 50 50? Like, I'm like, what in the world? But she was so aware of what of what was going on. Never a direct conversation with her about that in particular, but this girl literally asked me she had to share her share of the money 50-50 with her imaginary future brother. 
You know what I mean? Like, who's thinking like that? Like, what are you talking about? And so a lot of times I hear her in conversation with other family members or with kids. And, um, you know, she'll be like, well, what did you do with your birthday money? And they'll say, oh, I'm going to buy candy. Or I'm going to do this. And she's like, well, that's wasting it. You know, <laughs> like you don't want to, you know, get like invested in something better than that. Or and so it has really been through being deliberate about having the conversations around her. Mm-hmm. When I am preparing for proposals, when I am preparing for any type of work conversation, I talk to her about it. And I tell her what the real numbers are. And I say, they said that this is what they have in the budget, but I know what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And you know, if they're not willing to work with me, I'm totally okay with walk, walking away from it. And my daughter will say, that's right, girl, know your worth. Like, <laughs> I she, love it. <laughs> and she's like, she is such a sponge. And so I think that as parents, it's our responsibility. We think that we're helping our kids when we shelter them from real life conversations. You know, but we're not like this is how you prepare them. And I know through having these conversations and for her seeing how things work out and how I'm able to gracefully let some opportunities go because they don't necessarily serve what I believe is my purpose. I believe that lets her know that every opportunity is not necessarily a great opportunity for you. Mm -hmm. And to me, Based on the confidence that she has, that's like the greatest, you know, compliment someone can give me when they meet my daughter. They're like, oh, my gosh, she's so confident. She's so confident. She looks adults square in the eye, shakes their hand, looks at them when she's speaking to them. Well, will, you know, speaks with authority. You know, her voice mm-hmm. is not, you know, kind of she doesn't have her head down. Her shoulders aren't shrugged. She is like, you know, in it. And I think that knowing um, without her knowing necessarily with her purpose is she knows that she has self-worth like she knows that she can do whatever she wants to do and as long as she's you know showing up with good work ethic um and treating people well and using her noodle as we say using her brain um that she's gonna be okay and I just wish that I had that at 10 years old because I it took it's taken me years to stand in a lot of this stuff. It took me until 25 to be able to look at myself in the mirror um, mm. without cringing. And my daughter's confidence, I think, is such a byproduct of my husband and I always reinforcing that, you know, we're here for her and we love her no matter what, but also giving her the dignity of being able to sit at the table. Mm. And if she has a question, she can ask a question. She asks my husband questions about business all the time. He talks to her about marketing stuff. Um, What would you have done? What do you think would make this better for kids? What do you, you know, what do you think about this? Or have you seen this act? He works in entertainment. So he runs a lot of stuff by her. and She will be like, dad, no go. They're they're falling (laughs) off. (laughs) So, um. So I think just involving involving them, I just try to teach her by example. You know, they're going to learn more from watching our actions and seeing us in action mm-hmm. than they will from us just giving lip service. And yeah. I think it's disrespectful. Kids are so smart. They are worth more than lip service. I believe that. I mean, my kids are small and they observe. They're like little sponges, right? Because they're mm-hmm. at that age where they observe and then they act it out. 
And mm. I agree about the lip service. You know, I tell my kids stuff. I tell them why stuff is not happening, why stuff is happening. I tell them when I'm not going to be around, when I'm not going to make something. They actually value that because they can say, okay, mommy's not going to be here this evening because she has a meeting for work. Or mommy is going to, exactly. mommy's going to be home late, so I'm going to see her tomorrow. It's like I set the expectation so that they're not disappointed when the reality hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. important because I think sometimes as moms, we want to protect our children. Like, oh, don't worry. I'll be there before you go to bed. But you're not. if you're not going to be there, then they're going to be left with the disappointment anyway. Exactly. So you might as well just- my da- <laughs> my daughter loves it. But, you know, when my daughter was like six years old, I was on a national book tour. Right. I remember coming home and I was I was living in Atlanta at the time. So it was one of those things where I could fly anywhere and be back the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, I would leave early in the morning, go speak, do media, whatever, and then take the last flight out and come back home. And I remember one night coming up to my daughter's room. Um, I think I had been in Philly or somewhere, but I had come up to my daughter's room and to kiss her goodnight. And she was still kind of like, you know, groggy because, of course, my husband let her go to sleep later than I would. So she wasn't knocked out the way she should have been. But she kind of <laughs> like kind of got up with this one eye open and she was like, Mom. Did you sell all your books? I was like, uh, yeah. She's like, good job, good job. And went back to sleep. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like they're so aware. She was so Mm -hmm. proud. You know, she, that was the only thing she cared about. Did I sell all my books? And then she went back to sleep. And so when we set those expectations, like you said, and I let her know like, hey, mommy's going here. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Um, And here's what my goals are. I share with her my goals. She knows my goal for my podcast. She knows, you know, the numbers. I share with her numbers and she comes in. She wants to track, track things. I track things on my board, you know, in my office all the time. And she's like, can we shade this up? Can we fill it in? You doing your work or you know, whatever. But she she loves that. And I think as the mother of a, a little brown girl, in America, it's it's mm-hmm. important for me to be her example of what's possible. Yes, that you can have an engaged family life um, and still walk in your power, like still live, you know, live your live your life. And I think that it's really great that she see, gets to see me walk in my purpose. And she knows that my purpose, a part of my purpose, is being America's money maven and serving people in this way. But she also knows that I know that my number one purpose is to be her mother and to raise her um, well. And so she lets me and loves me wearing both those hats. She's very proud. I love that. And you're not just a role model to your daughter. You're a role model to, you know, so many other women just by virtue of what you do and by virtue of who you are and what you've become. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to tell you that too. Thank you. Thank you. So Patrice, before I let you go, I have a couple of quick questions for you. Um, Mm -hmm. The first is what is your favorite business book or favorite finance book or a book that you have read recently that has just really gotten you excited? Um, there's a couple, oh my gosh, you know, I read so many books for the podcast. So there's like so many right now, what comes up first is Marshawn Evans, Daniels, uh, believe bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a great book because it just talks about the gap between going through like a life disruption. Like I went through with losing everything in the reception, in the recession, um, and how you can work during that gap. 
right? During that Mm -hmm. gap between maybe having that disruption and getting to where whatever's next for you, like some of the things that you can work on and how you can really um, work through what your purpose is and how to use that um, to find fulfillment. So Believe Bigger is a really great book. And then um, Wealth Can't Wait is one of my favorite books right now. Um, It's by David Osborne. That's one author. It's co-authored. I can't remember the other person's name. But Wealth Can't Wait is is a really great book as well because you kind of pick it up and there are these two guys who were really big in real estate, own hundreds of pieces of property and all this. And I had a totally different expectation for what the book was about. But to read it and find that, in a sense, it's like redefining wealth, just written by two white men. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. <laughs> you hear you have these men. <laughs> you have these men who have you know, reach this, this huge level of success. And they're essentially saying a lot of the same things about how you have to be clear on your purpose and you have to be engaged in your personal life and your family life. And without, Mm -hmm. you know, without your health and all this, how can you connect? And I randomly ran across this book on Instagram and, you know, just saw the cover and purchased it on the spot. And once I really got into it, my mind was blown, but it was also confirmation that uh, there's more to wealth than money and material possessions. Well-being is real. And when you get to people who have achieved, um, you know, these large amounts of success, they'll tell you over and over again um, that it's not just the money. And so I love that book, too. It's one of my favorites. Thank you for sharing. And I'm going to find the links to these books and put them in the show notes. And I'm definitely going to add them to my own to read list. Yeah. <laughs> And then you'll 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 enjoy. <laughs> and then Patrice, I'd love for you to share with us what's your clever girl superpower. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my clever girl superpower is trusting my gut. Love it. My superpower is being able to trust myself. And for a long time, Bola, I didn't know how to do that. You know, I um, I would get my feet wet and then I would get scared and jump back <laughs> and be like, no, let me see. Let me ask somebody else. Let me get advice. Let me, you know, get confirmation. Let me pray about it for 13 days and then walk around. The- you know, I had all these <laughs> things that I had to do. Um, and the more that I've learned to trust my gut, which was really just through being still and um, quiet and getting in alignment um, and knowing that the God in me knows what to do. Um, really does. And and the vision that's given to me is not necessarily given to others. So they can't always co-sign or confirm anything for me. I have to trust that this is what I'm being called to do and know that even if something goes wrong in the process or in the midst of, um, I feel that God will give me the grace to get through it regardless and find the blessing or the lesson and just keep it pushing. So, um, Trusting my gut is my superpower. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Patrice. This has been amazing. And before you go, (laughs) I want you to share with folks where they can find you and also talk a little bit about your podcast because you have an amazing podcast um, that I'm sure my listeners would would love to check out. Well, yes. uh, Redefining Wealth podcast is my baby um, (laughs) right now. And, you know, I've been doing radio for a long time, but, you know, you have to talk in sound bites. It's like three to five minutes, say what you got to say and get off. 
And I never felt like I could get deeper into the things that really matter to me. Um, because when you're invited on other people's shows, Bola, they want you to talk about a budget and get off or talk about credit and get off. And I'm like, no, it's so much deeper than that, please. And so <laughs> um, I launched the podcast less than six months ago. And any day now, we're going to hit 100,000 downloads. Yay! So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I'm super excited that it's been well received. And you know, I just tell people the Redefining Wealth podcast is really about exploring these six pillars of wealth. And it's the, the areas that I really believe um, you have to work on your well-being and find fulfillment in mm -hmm. so that you could show up as your best self and attract those opportunities. Because there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. Right. And so yes. we're trying to chase opportunities down. But there's there's so many out there that are right in front of you. But because you can't you can't see it because you're doing other things, you know, that don't even yeah. matter or you can't you're not being your best self. And so that's what I really explore um, through my own solo episodes, as well as doing a lot of great interviews with some amazing people who help to underscore, you know, what the pillars are. So the Redefining Wealth podcast. Yes, please check it out. And anything, you know, you want to learn about me is at patricewashington.com. I do YouTube videos as well, um, and I'm on social media at Seek Wisdom PCW. Seek Wisdom PCW. I love Instagram. I play with Facebook, <laughs> and Twitter is also my jam. But I really love Instagram. So any of those three, you can find me Seek Wisdom PCW, and let me know that you found me through Bola, so I can thank her every time you say something to me. <laughs> so tell Patrice. And I'm going to put the links to your website, your Instagram, your podcast, and everything else in the show notes so folks can have easy access to you. So thank you awesome. so much, Patrice. I really appreciate your time, and I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you. Thank you, Bola. And keep up the great work. I keep up the great work. You have such a great spirit. Um, and you know, such a great light just around your work and what you're doing. And I'm cheering for you because there's no competition. We're complimentary, right? Yes, to each other. And, um, <laughs> and thank you for the contribution that you make in this space. Like, because all of our voices are needed, you know? And um, it's so nice to see someone with such, I don't know, just such a sweet disposition. So thank you for what you do. And thank you for allowing me to, you know, be in front of your audience. I appreciate it. Same here. Thank you, Patrice. That was such a great conversation with Patrice, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as well. Again, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, on Stitcher, and you can also listen to episodes on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel and watch videos there as well. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing the next episode with you guys soon.